This fellow Ronaldo is a cod. Arsene Wenger's been in Japan for a year. He doesn't know anything about English football. I will love it if we beat them. It's the history of the Tottenham. I have nothing to say. I'm so sorry, I have nothing to say. Con Giovanni, yeah, incredible. Dribble, 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 dribble. Penalties? What is penalties? <laughs> Who are Man United? Last season when the two sides met at the Emirates, Arsenal and Liverpool played out a frantic and messy 3-3 draw. Last weekend they played out, played out a similarly frantic but much more controlled 1-1 draw. How did the two sides progress since that crazy encounter last December? They both are more controlled than they were in the past, uh, in both of attacking and defensive modes. Like obviously, Simi Mignolet isn't there anymore to kind of re- yeah. That havoc. that that three all draw really was the the match that ended his Liverpool career He's as, as, Liverpool. Number, as number He's one still choice. At He's still playing matches, you know, maybe in the FA Cup. I think it was Arsenal had four shots on target in that three all draw. Yeah, and they really should have scored the fourth one in fairness as well. I can't even remember at this it point. It was like really open. Arsenal should have won that match, even though Liverpool were the better side throughout. But uh, that was like Liverpool have arrested a lot of the issues in the last season. Obviously, Mignolet being one. Allison, Virgil van Dijk came into the side Virgil as well. Virgil van Dijk is in there as well. The the breakthrough of really that solid defensive core of Virgil van Dijk. Uh, Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold with Joe Gomez thrown in as well they've kind of cemented their place as a strong quick versatile and progressive Liverpool back line that can easily turn defence into attack is very mobile and is a match for anyone in set pieces they're, they're the most defensively solid I've seen Liverpool since probably Benitez was oh yeah charge. yeah definitely since like the last good Rafa Benitez team in around 2009 you know Jamie Carragher before he went over the hill Daniel Agger, Martin Skirtle, you know, those. Who else was in there? Was Fabio Aurelio still Fabio there at the Aurelio, club? Yeah. At right back? Yeah, I think so, before he went to Real Madrid. I can't even remember who they had at And Mascherano was still hanging around there as well. Xabi Alonso, Xabi Alonso, Alonso was still there. Well, he, yeah, just before he left. It was a very solid back six, Pepe Reina and goal. A back six that was like as good as anyone in the league. The front was really Liverpool's problems in those days that they just couldn't get enough service to either Stephen Gerrard or Fernando Torres. But now that's completely changed and they're balanced up front where Mo Salah maybe is getting marked harder this season or is getting people have figured out his, you know, run in from the right-hand side and get on the end of a quick ball and he scores. They've kind of cut off the supply to those quick balls and they've had to generate new chances from other places in the pitch, which is why the likes of... Virgil van Dijk did he hit the post at least once he pulled he had two good chances anyway yeah. one was very close hit the post and got punched in the head by Bert Leno in, in the process and you know Mane is obviously pulling up a lot more chances this season than he was last season he's been given a lot more space because people are double marking Salah and then you know Firmino is still pulling the strings behind them but the thing is though that with Arsenal with Liverpool is have they maybe sacrificed a bit of that attacking verve for a bit more defensive solidity? Yes and no. I think they're still struggling with, one, injuries. They've been unfortunate with injuries that they haven't, in like the most important area of the field, which is midfield, that they haven't been able to field a, kind of a reoccurring midfield. They're always kind of chopping and changing it because someone's picking up a knock, someone's picking up a niggly injury. And also they're having to bread, or bread? Blood new players into the Premier League the likes of Fabinho who got a lot of stick at the weekend I didn't think it was that bad and you know Keita has been has had ups and downs already in a couple of months at Liverpool 
but they're also missing Oxlade Chamberlain, who was their most outstanding midfielder last season. Adam Lanana has dropped off the face of the earth for the most part. Yeah, it looked like he might be back from injury recently, but then he's just disappeared again. Yeah, and you know Jordan Henderson not in the side either. Yeah, he, and like James Miller is, he scored at the week. You know, a good finish at the weekend. He maintains but, his record of uh, having never lost a game in which he yeah. scored in in the Premier League. Yeah, it is some some record like. Yeah. Uh, this is as cl- I can't remember obviously every time James Milner scored he was close to losing I, th- I think against Man United once before he was close to losing yeah I can't really remember Trafford, I think they drew one all but I thought Arsenal were impressive though especially when you contrast their performance against Liverpool both against the 3-3 draw back in the Emirates and even the, the was it a 2-0 defeat to Man City at the start mm. of the season yeah like you can see they've come on leaps and bounds since yeah. then well they've just become more solid like I don't think like you, you have to. You can only beat what's in front of you. And Arsenal are unbeaten now in what thirteen matches, yeah, including since they eleven lost consecutive wins in that run. And they're keeping that going. They'll probably win another one in the Europa League this week, or at least they won't. Probably will avoid defeat at home against Sporting Lisbon, and they'll go against Wolves the weekend. Uh, Unai Emery spoke immediately after the match how he wanted to, you know, he wants to win. He says it's been we've had two league matches now without a win. So we have to win the next game. That's his absolute focus in the league. So win the next game, which is encouraging because, you know, it was very, Wenger was very much, you know, we can only speak about this and we can only speak about the next game and focus on the next game. He's focused on the impact of the last couple of games and how you must win your next match, which is, it's a lot different from Wenger's kind of passive way of dealing with, you know, iffy results. Oh, this was an iffy result. I think it was a good performance and it was probably the right result given the performance of both teams on the day. But, I, I don't see... There hasn't been a major impact yet for Emery. It's still early days. I think similar... So When a new manager comes in, a good manager, you kind of... you you Things go one of two ways. Either you get a Pep Guardiola effect, Pep Guardiola effect, where the manager comes in and immediately hits it off running and then you crash at some point during the season because the players have finally realised, oh God, we have to adapt to this for the whole season, which is what happened at City in this first season. They remember they went on a huge winning streak. Yeah, they won, won the first 10 matches of the season and then lost a few. Yeah, and it kind of just faded then as the rest of the season happened. Sarri at Chelsea's having a similar thing at the moment where they're kind of, they're picking up the wins still, they're picking they're picking off smaller teams and, and bouncing through the bigger ties as well. And at Arsenal, something similar happened as well since the first two games. But I don't expect much from Sarri's Chelsea, as we've said many times before. And I don't expect, you know, Emery's Arsenal to really be challenging Liverpool and Man City at the top end of the table come the end of the season. Yeah, it does feel like they are just a couple of years off the pace. Because, of yeah. course, they are at the start of a process that Liverpool and Man City are years and through. you have to remember, this is almost almost exactly the same side as last season. A couple of additions which are important are Leno, who, but, you know, Czech is a good keeper as well. You know, Leno's in goal for Arsenal. Len- Leno has been quite good, though, I think. He's from made some the... mistakes, so he's flapped at balls, and that's. I saw a lot, he's given away a lot of criticism for the goal that they conceded against Liverpool. I, I didn't think there was really much he could do about that. And then Rob Holding ultimately gets the touch that brings yeah. it to Milner. I think Arsenal have conceded more goals than the teams above them combined in the league, which isn't a good place to be when you're challenging for Champions League football. I can't remember now when the last time they kept a clean sheet was. In yeah, the it's been it's been a while. Like even against Fulham when they were comfortably in the lead this season. Well, that's season. that's a weird thing about Arsenal's uh, unbeaten streak, if you want to call it, the thirteen matches or so they've gone through, is that they've been behind or drawing in every single one of them at half time. They've not been winning. That is very odd, but it just shows maybe they went behind the... this match as well. Yeah, but it, it, they have that bounce back ability. That bounce back ability. It is. It is Ron a word. Atkinson, yeah. it, it is a word. Um, 
that maybe they didn't have this time last year. No, like, yeah, there, certainly. There's, there's, definitely, there's definitely a few games last season where once they were 1-0 behind, it felt like they were just going to crumble to a 2-0 yeah. defeat. And it, it really... felt, everyone felt inevitable. The crowd sulked and everything dropped down. But you saw like the crowd is like... Maybe, you know, after all the years of people saying the Emirates is quiet and all this, even though you have occasional times like when Arsenal played Barcelona or something, the place would be rocking. Maybe it wasn't down to, you know, the stadium being a quiet stadium. Maybe it was just the the passiveness of the crowd because they knew exactly what was going to happen. If they took an early lead, they'd win comfortably. And if they didn't, chances are they'd lose or draw and it would be dour and depressing. And maybe with Emery, it's a bit different because they could go behind early and still end up losing the match or winning the match or drawing the match rather. yeah I think I can't remember which player it was maybe even it was Unai Emery now I can't really remember but there was definitely praise for the crowd from Arsenal yeah. people people involved with Arsenal over the last week or so and I have noticed that as well having watched a couple of their matches that the crowd have been more lively because like, historically Arsenal fans weren't that passive they were very like their away support is quite good it's quite a solid away support so there's a good you know ultra not ultra it's probably not but there is a good fanatical you know section of the crowd that do sing that do do things they have their own fan you know you know not just Arsenal fan TV but they have their own you know kind of groups that they that they come come to the matches in and they try to like spread the fandom of Arsenal around the stadium and you know it's not to the level say Liverpool is when they start singing you know you never walk alone or any of their own other songs and it's not to the fanatical level of you know, South American football, It's or even Scotland. But it's somewhere in between where you're kind of like, they're not dead. It's not like you're going to see Huddersfield or someone like that or a team where, you know, they're kind of known for being passed for Wigan or Middlesbrough where a lot of the time you find, despite there being fanatical fans of those clubs, no doubt, you find that, like, there's a lot of empty seats and there's a lot of, you know, sparsity between where the fans are that, you know, it's a natural silence because there's so much space between people. Yeah, like, I'm sure there were definitely matches last year where you could notice, you could pick out loads of empty seats in the yeah. Emirates, whereas it hasn't been easy to do that this season at all, really. Well, you looked at Spurs and Wembley, and you see all the empty seats and how hard it is yeah, to the fans, atmosphere when you have that much empty space. The fans just seem to have given up at this point yeah. and going to the Wembley matches. I think they're only getting about 40,000 crowds in a 80,000-seater stadium, so yeah. they, there's definite problems there. Um, but... They also just have so many problems going on with the whole stadium stuff that needs to be sorted out. It's mad at Spurs at the moment. They're, who knows when they're going to go into that match? They play Man United? They, it's been put back a couple of times, but the, the most recent uh, delay was in the last couple of weeks where now instead of starting in a match against Burnley in December, they're pushed it back to a match in January against Manchester United yeah, which is always a good tie to open a stadium against a team that you traditionally lose against yeah well it'll, it'll be a nice full circle because the last match of White Hart Lane was against Manchester United yeah well it's like like you say last match of White Hart Lane like this is the weird thing with that whole stadium debacle is they weren't even they did a substantial amount of work if you remember they had to close section stadium were closed while they were playing in it yeah you could see the outside you could see outside yeah. the stadium yeah the they corner. had to play Champions League matches in Wembley for secure over for you know regulatory reasons what's happened like I thought they were almost finished when they moved them out like oh a season fair enough they'll give them enough time to work everything out and to take their time and get it all done right they're like it's an absolute mess well the thing is Chelsea of course were originally also planning to do a similar job yeah. to Stamford Bridge is Tottenham doing White Hart Lane yeah but they said it'd take three years yeah so 
were Spurs too ambitious with yeah, their one there, season. Yeah, there's a uh, possibility that they were being overly ambitious. I wouldn't be surprised if it's not open till the start of next season, the way it's going. Oh, will Maurizio Pochettino be there at that point? Yeah, that, and the whole team, will, what players will be, be there. there. Deli Ali signed a new contract this week, which was an encouragement. For Annoyingly, me. though, there was no picture of Maurizio Pochettino with his arm wrapped around oh, him yeah, with a smile. So <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you're unaware, uh, the Pochettino does do that. And people have now started... Uh, stitching out as well the a picture of Pochettino and putting putting him next to certain things like there's one of Pochettino next to all the Tottenham signings with his arms <laughs> stretched out or Pochettino yeah. next to Pochettino yeah They've Pochettino like next it. to Dracula Pochettino yeah. next to Robocop there's been many there's been many iterations Pochettino yeah. against, next to Kermit the Frog with him sitting on his knee yeah you know very some, some cuddly Pochettino yeah. Pochettino dressed as a you know a big teddy bear yeah, that's that's the real image you want of Mauricio Pochettino. He kind of looks like a teddy bear. <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he does has look a little frame cuddly. of a teddy bear. Yeah. I know he's lost weight recently, but he still has a bit of a frame of a teddy bear. An Argentinian angry teddy bear, but a teddy bear nonetheless. <laughs> and uh, moving on, uh, Newcastle. It's been a tumultuous 10 weeks for Newcastle, but has Rafa Benitez's luck finally started to turn? They... Well, I would say, what's happened to Watford? Yeah, that's More the bit, because so. if Watford won, they could have gone into the top four. But Watford have had that position for a lot, like, it's kind of a, a sign of the kind of the, the the middle ground of the Premier League being so crappy that everyone wins a match and suddenly they're within range of the top four again. But it's weird. Normally you think that, oh, you've won a match, congratulations, you're now 13 points closer to, yeah. instead of actually being level. Yeah, but I suppose that the teams chasing the top teams in recent weeks have been drawing matches. So it kind of, you know, as in everyone but Man City and Liverpool, and even Liverpool in some cases in the last week have drawn a match. So their teams at the top have been dropping points, which results in people being able to reach at them. We're only, as we said, what were we, 11 matches in? Yeah, this is the 11th match now. They finally got their first victory. It's been coming, in fairness. They should have beaten Manchester United. They could have beaten Chelsea. They could have beaten Arsenal, you know, if they'd taken their chances in those matches. And they were very close to at least getting a point against Chelsea. They could have beaten... Who else did they play? They could, Annie, have, they could have beaten Cardiff. Cardiff. They had a last-minute winner. Men, yeah. Or a last-minute penalty, rather, not a yeah. winner. Like, there, there is matches that are unfortunate. But at the same time, Rafa hasn't been punished. The league has not punished... Not, not saying it's Rafa. But the league hasn't punished Newcastle for being so They're bad. out of the relegation zone now. They've got loads of those terrible matches out of the way. Yeah, they, they've played the, almost all the big sides except Liverpool, I think. Yeah. So they have a good good fair bit of run now over Christmas you can imagine them getting points together and maybe bouncing towards that 12th 11th place and I can see them doing it because as we said the teams in the middle are not that great well they've got that hump off their back now of getting the first win so yeah. you would think normally you would think that another win might follow Rafa for Real Madrid <laughs> uh, one can dream of a comeback there yeah he'd love a, he'd love a return Perez you know and then uh, also in the news a long overdue Bielsa watch as Leeds have gone back to the top of the championship. We only watch them when they're winning. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when they're, we're glory hunting with Leeds. If they drop from the playoffs, if they drop from the top spot, we don't care anymore. Well, it was just the fact that that glorious video has kind of, kind of gone viral this week of when it was Wigan they were playing, wasn't it? Bielsa sat in the, the cup. Yeah, Bielsa. That is, <laughs> that is a classic. Uh, but Wigan had a counter-attack, one or two players went forward, and like seven or eight Leeds United players ran yeah, back. a Leeds player, Leeds defence midfield, not even, I don't even even know who it was at this point because I can't, I couldn't even make out the number or the name on the back of the shirt. Leeds play it was a corner. It was an attacking move for Leeds. 
it was a corner or something like that the ball bounces out to the player he miscontrols it and loses it to the Wigan player who passed it to the other Wigan player I think was Dean Windass' son also named Windass amazingly and that player is then out of the game he doesn't even try he doesn't even get back as quick as the rest of his team the guy that loses the ball and is the furthest back player he's not the other guys are already running back as soon as they see your man starting to miscontrol the ball and then you see one player one and you can see the Wigan player just going what is going like his, <laughs> the whites of his eyes just showing up and like why is there suddenly seven players around me before I'm even and he loses the ball he just doesn't know what to do freezes yeah, that's the thing. Like, he, he can't even, like, try beat the first man because he's like, oh, my God, where have all yeah, these like, people come from? he all confidence immediately. So he tries to do one. He tries to just go around the first man. The first man tackles him, tack over, leads building again from the back. They only won the match by a single goal. It was 2-1. It was, yeah, it was a last yeah, match. late winner, yeah. And it wasn't that late, was it? Uh, it was second it was like and a half. Second, it was sometime in the second half. Okay, I thought it was later than that. But, like, Leeds were the better side throughout. They went behind after three minutes. And then it was like, oh, we shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and then, you know, Leeds just battered them for the rest of the match and eventually winning at only 2-1. And Roberto Martinez was there to watch on as he looks to maybe sign a few Leeds players for uh, Real Madrid if he uh, gets the job. <laughs> that would be a weird appointment for Roberto. At the moment, I think there's still still a bit of rehabilitation to be done for Roberto Martinez. Before, like, if you had a choice between Roberto Martinez and Scolari, Scolari, Solari as a long-term manager, you probably pick Martinez over Solari. But if you had a choice between Wenger or Solari and and Martinez, Martinez and who was the other Conte? Conte Conte's yeah. not going to do it now. Who's the other person that was linked to it? Uh, I saw Leonardo, Leonardo yeah, Leonardo Jardine, Jardine, who uh, you know is knows people at Real Madrid. Like he was very good at Monaco yeah. as well. So like uh, you would you would pick Wenger or Jardim out of that maybe not yeah, Martinez yeah not Martinez but then again if the other two don't take the job Martinez it seems fit for. Someone like Martinez to go in, have a season and a half, maybe win a Copa del Rey. Yeah. You know, then go to. Well, he's won the FA Cup, so. He may as well complete the the double. (laughs) It's the history of the Tottenham. We believe in the history. There's been an absolutely massive leak of football related documents recently, with Der Spiegel doing a lot of the reporting. It ranges from financial doping to potentially even an actual positive doping test of a, quote, multiple-time Champions League winner. And while we won't sit here and theorise who the player may be, we will instead discuss the very prevalent European Super League. Yeah, like, Football Leaks is a funny little side project for Der Spiegel and the European, I think, Investigative Association, or something along yeah, those lines. Yeah, that's a, a conglomerate, not a conglomerate, but a, an association of various journalistic organizations around Europe who invest you do investigate work and they're tr- they've been have they've had this access to these files for a while now this is the second big leak the first one was a couple of years ago with a lot of portuguese um related to portuguese players apparently john the person who leaks football leaks uh is a portuguese national so has a lot of context apparently der spiegel claimed this this stuff wasn't illegally acquired but you know given the fact that it is all like personal emails and work emails and just the, you know it has back and forth it was like this is very weird stuff to someone have access to and leak if they're not either like if Johnny Infantino isn't link, leaking his personal emails that you know makes him look bad and possibly incriminates him in certain dealings it's I don't think he's doing it it's probably coming from some other source so maybe it is a group of sources or something like that but a couple of years ago was the first leak where we got a lot of contract information and we got Ronaldo's first ever contract at Real Madrid we got a lot of, you know, what every player was on in different teams. And there was a lot of Nick. details about Paul Pogba's transfer to Paul Manchester Pogba. United. Exactly, that was more recently, like two years ago. 
less than that was that about was, a year and a half ago. Yeah, a year and a half ago, we got to see how much uh, Mino Raiola made on that signing, which was a lot of money. Oh yeah, uh, the original Ronaldo. Um, what's it called the Ronaldo like the uh, the alleged Ronaldo kind of hush money that was paid to the, the woman that he allegedly assaulted came through in, in the first tranche of these and now this is the second bunch that they've spent apparently spent the last several months going through two terabytes worth of, worth of documents yeah they reckon it's somewhere around 70 million documents mm. which is an absurd figure yeah it is and it's not something that can like can easily be gone through like they must be using some algorithms to try and find useful information control F yeah that's kind of <laughs> That's kind of what they're doing. So they're, but like, it, given, given, like, their their hands are tied a lot, they're speaking, because they're a proper journalistic institution. They're not going to do things by halves. They're not going to publish things that they, that aren't in the public interest. They will stand by what they put out. Exactly. So they're being very careful with what they publish. Hence, they, they're, they're making, you know, into, you know, they're going things, things that are in the public interest. Interest. They're publishing, not anything else. So they believe one, the Johnny Infantino, the president of FIFA, may have been involved in some dealings which are not. The president of FIFA should not be involved in the the fact that rules have been circumvented for clubs like PSG and Man City, and then the final big piece of apart from the doping one, which we haven't got enough information on really to talk about yet. The other big one was the European Super League, which has been knocking around for twenty five plus years. The the notion that we'd have once kind of air travel became. And European, you know, nights became less of an ordeal. Where suddenly, oh, you can actually have. Uh, Bayern Munich play Milan and then both teams go back and play a league game at the weekend and it's doable and it doesn't really negatively affect anybody That since that became possible and affordable on a, on a large scale that fans could travel and that you know the clubs could easily handle the, 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 the long travel the long distance travel and the fact that America shows it every week that you can do these huge travel and play these matches and travel back to where you are and play more matches that it is completely doable this idea has been knocking around. I, I think the first mention, I've maybe 97 or 98, the G14, as it was at the time, the big European clubs, and they were discussing, this was at the time where they made a change to Champions League rules. This was the time where they brought in the second group stage because they wanted more games. I think they wanted up to 17 games to go and win the Champions League. So they, the big teams, you know, they they kind of uh, intimated that they were going, oh, we're going to do our own Super League. And then UEFA gave in, gave them the extra group match, the group stage, so they all got extra six matches. Or four matches, whatever it was, I don't even remember. I think six matches, I think it was, home and away ties in the in the second group stage, uh, and then that was abandoned after a few years because it was too much football for the clubs to handle. So, and then the the talk of it kind of disappeared for them. But then this has been loitering always in the background, like oh, if if UEFA don't do what we say, we're going to form our own Super League, and then UEFA won't have any jurisdiction over us. Yeah, it always seems to come up around the time whenever they're negotiating a new. Uh, yep. new TV deals or whatever because it seems to be every three maybe four years yep. that they do negotiate because this the current format runs till 2021 yeah and then I think they have something in place for 2021 to 2024 that's not really set in stone not set in stone but it, it it's probable that it will come to pass the way it's planned like and th- then 2024 is maybe when we're looking at when everything could potentially shift if yeah. the clubs want to go down that route yeah and like the last 2016 to 2018 was kind of when the negotiations happened. Platini was still at UEFA, I think, when they started. Yeah, he was still at. A and few Johnny Infantino was still like head of legal or you know executive, whatever he was at, at UEFA. So he was still in there, and that was this when this kind of started. Like I've read an interesting analysis of it came from Gabriel Marcotti at ESPN.com, where he 
kind of broke down the different parts of it and said this was he had a good term for it this was the nuclear option for the clubs that maybe this isn't the whole doom and gloom and the the clubs are evil and greedy and money you know after money this was more their backup their backstop if you will for people in the fans something in the back pocket exactly that they were like okay if the if negotiations fail with uefa or if negotiations go badly for us we can pull this out and say okay we have agreement to actually start our own super league if you don't do what we want to do and it worked obviously because you yeah, like that was apparently why there, there was notion that there was a there was a there was awareness that UEFA that this was going to happen that this was a possibility and that's why France lost the Champions League place and then Italy Germany Spain and England all got confirmed four Champions League places every season they didn't have to go through the qualifying rounds anymore. Yeah, it seems like France was kind of the target of a kind of bullying from the big leagues. They weren't to the get only. Of, they weren't the only. They weren't the only ones, but they Eastern were the biggest Europe, ones. Yeah, the Netherlands. You know, smaller countries were squeezed definitely to make a bit of room because uh, at the, the way it was, you were still getting maybe fourteen teams from those four leagues, but yeah. now we're guaranteed sixteen. Yeah. So we did. It was France lost a, a place by itself, and then, then kind the of likes, everything else got squeezed. Yeah, as the you likes say. of the, the you get uh, Portugal, Portugal, Israel, Cyprus, Turkey, Turkey. You know, teams. You know, countries that have been pr- producing decent competitors in recent times. You know, they've all like was it what was the name of that team? They went to Real Madrid and got something. You know, you often had the Scandinavian sides who have suffered recently immensely from the the lack of Champions League football. They've lost a lot of players that routinely they would have been able to sign and have now not been able to sign because they can't guarantee Champions League football or they're leaving at an earlier time and obviously the Netherlands have been suffering this for a very long time look at Ajax look at PSV yeah look. they're only kind of recovering now it seems and yeah, even, then, even they, then, yeah. they probably won't be the same like Ajax won the Champions League in 1995 yeah they're like, not going to win it again anytime yeah, soon I'd be very they might surprised. win the Super League if things go well <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the the plans apparently for the Super League, well, for uh, the English clubs, five English clubs concerned uh, from eleven founding members, it seems. Yeah. Uh, so plus... the the main the main two the main three members of the Super League supposedly were Real Madrid, Barcelona, and Manchester United, who would have retained, I think, sixteen point something, sixteen point something less, and twelve percent ownership of the league, respectively. So they would have each got a profit share into it. Real Madrid having the biggest because they're probably the the revenue and outreach in the, in the global Barcelona slightly less and and Man United third at twelve percent, and then the rest of the teams would all obviously all have a lot smaller chunks of the the league that they'd own themselves. You'd had every the big teams in England with the exception of Spurs. So you had with Man United you had Man City, Chelsea and Liverpool and Arsenal and Arsenal. In Germany you had Bayern Munich as a founding member. In Italy you had Milan and Juventus as founding members. In France, you had PSG, and I think that's it for founding members. Yeah, plus obviously the Spanish sides, the two, the two Spanish sides, Real Madrid and Barcelona, and then you had what five? Yeah, it was five that I saw. Five guest teams, five which guest would be teams. So Marseille. The found- yeah, the founding teams would have guaranteed no relegation or no loss for twenty years. For twenty years, and the five part or whatever guest five teams- guest teams would be Marseille, Dortmund. Atletico Madrid, Inter Milan, and Roma. Was it Roma? Yeah. So, yeah, I just find it funny that Inter Milan are a guest and Milan are a. <laughs> they must have just founding. not missed out. Like, historically, they didn't have the administrative power that Milan has. Yeah. Had in Italy and in Europe. It's just, is the, it is the more politically savvy team in Milan. Well, Berlusconi. Exactly. Like. From the Berlusconi legacy. 
Um, the same with Juventus always had that as well, the hugely powerful and popular club in Italy that they were always going to be in there. It's surprising because back in the day of the G14, I remember the first time I was again back in 98, 99, when this first came through, the G14 was a lot different. It was a much different beast back then. You you know, I think Chelsea were admitted to it back then, but obviously Man City weren't in it. I don't know if Liverpool were in it. It was Arsenal, Man United were in there. Just based on money, that was it was mostly based but on But that's money. the funny thing though. Like Leon it, were in there, I believe, for a long because time. Because they were very Porto, dominant. Historically, Porto were, you know, despite not being the, you know, for a long time being the understudies to Benfica in the country. Porto have obviously come back from that double Champions League when there were multiple leagues, like a huge amount of leagues at this point. Porto are in there. Now, no sign of Porto being even near this now. And yeah, they have performed in the Champions League. They've won Europa Leagues in recent years. Yeah, they've done, like, they've got big scalps over the years. Plus, they won the Champions League in 2004, yeah. wasn't it? And so, like, that's have two. They, that's more than Inter have won in the last 30 years. Yeah, so, like, it, it's, you know... And Roma have ever won. Yeah, and, like, even... Or some, Arsenal. Yeah, or Arsenal. Or they've more than Chelsea, even. Yeah. Or Man City, yeah. or PSG. <laughs> We're just naming more yeah. and more. But that's the funny thing. the likes name. of Ajax and, you know, historically huge teams wouldn't even have been... Aren't even in consideration for these. But that's the funny thing, though. You may, As you mentioned, 20 years ago, the the rich teams was a completely different yeah. landscape. Bar a few, obviously, like bar Real Madrid. Historic. Bar the three you mentioned yeah, earlier. basically. Because they are just seemingly always going to be there's there. There's titans in Europe, but then there's there's bigger gods yeah. among clubs, if you want to call it that. And if this thing is going to be like, we don't know in 20 years who will be the rich exactly, kids. Yeah. So it's such a ridiculous concept that, like, obviously I'd say a few teams are like, oh, let's make it 20 years just because, you know, we want to oh, be yeah, there no matter safe, what. Yeah. Playing absolutely safe. Yeah. And they want that and it guarantees them. But if I can be devil's advocate for this, because people, we know the fan... At this point, we know what the majority have, at least at fan level, we don't know at professional level, but the majority of fan level have been dead against this. It's going to ruin the game. It's going to ruin domestic football across the Europe. The death of football. The death of football, you can argue it's already happened. And a lot of, you know, country, a lot of teams in smaller countries, including Ireland, like there was a time when Ireland would get, like Irish teams would get to the Champions League proper, the European Cup proper in the early 90s. It did happen. Like, it's not even... If that would happen, like, you can't even imagine it happening now. Yeah, the Cork have gotten close, Dundalk have gotten close, but not that close. The closest was what? Shelburne. Shamrock Rovers got to the Europa League group stage. Shelburne got to. uh, Dundalk got a couple points out of their Europa League group a few years ago. I think Shelburne got to a final Champions League knockout game against Deportivo La Coruña in like 2001 or 2002. And that, like, as in, the knock the round, qualifying round before the group stages. I think that's the closest anyone's ever got. Yeah, Dundalk might have got that far recently, but if not, it was the round before. Yeah, no one's ever, ever been able to get as close as that, really. And, you know, football's changed a lot, and some would say it already is gone that way. It's already destroyed for the smaller teams, for the smaller countries. It's a pyramid built to serve the people at the top, not the people at the bottom. And these clubs are already hungry, and you can't really see them turning it around in 20 years that bar some externality coming into the game which is the likes of Man City PSG Chelsea where uh, you know a rich benefactor comes in and buys the club and gives them a huge amount of money that's the only way that anything is going to happen that's going to be the interesting thing Thing now if, if say this does come into place from 2021 or whatever yeah. and we're here 2021 to 2041 these are the 11 teams and maybe 5 guests plus 5 that yeah. will have relegation so it'll be interesting to see if you know all of a sudden say a huge billionaire say for the sake of the argument Bill Gates decided to buy some rant Wigan they bought yeah. Wigan yeah. and then they're like okay 
Wigan now can, and Bill Gates lets them spend whatever. Yeah. For whatever reason, so you know, it's, yeah. Come in then. But what if they all, all of a sudden they were buying, they were winning the league title year after year after year because obviously the big teams are gone. Yeah. Except yeah. Spurs. Spurs. <laughs> Spurs are just hanging around. Good news for Spurs. <laughs> yeah, Spurs might actually win a league title yeah. now. No, they'll still stop. Yeah, we'll see. That'll be interesting to just see how they screw it up. Yeah. Uh, but but then all of a sudden Wigan are one of the powerhouses of the teams that yeah. are left. Yeah. Do Wigan just all of a sudden get entry, entry into this? And how do the Wigan fans feel about this? <laughs> It'll be a very strange situation because this will be a completely... It won't be a UEFA competition. The leagues will not be connected. It'll kill UEFA, essentially. <clears throat> well, that's the plan behind it, is to defang UEFA. We can, we can, there's a couple of parallels in history. The most obvious is fo- football-related, the Premier League, 1991-92. They abolished Division 1, the old league. All the teams seceded from the league, left the league behind. Therefore, they were no longer in the Football League. They dropped out of the pyramid and they formed their own Premier League, as it was at the time. Those clubs started the Premier League, did their own thing, and and the FA had to come crawling to their feet and beg to be involved in it and to beg to include them in their pyramid that they had promotion, relegation and all this. Because the Premier League were like, we're sick of sharing... The the big clubs, the Manchester United's, the Liverpool's at the time, the Arsenal's and Spurs probably were the next biggest side at the time. The, you know, we're sick of sharing all all the television money, which was pittance at the time. It was a few million, I think, for the whole season at the time. With the smaller clubs, because back then it used to be shared with all 92 teams in the Football League. And like we'll, we'll just split it between the 20 of us, or the 22 as it was at the time. And they did that, and the FA could do nothing about it, and their whole competition was destroyed, and they came crawling back. And they latched onto the Premier League, and now it's you know the FA Premier League, and the Football League feeds the Championship. Obviously, feeds into the Premier League. There's promotion, relegation. There's a fair few of the teams that were involved that first season that have completely dropped off the face of the earth. I think it was Carlisle Premier League side the first season. Was Oxford Barnsley or some team like Oxford? There was a lot of different teams. Like yeah, Black there were some the, really random teams. Yes, yeah, you know, along with the old historic teams that were there, and even like Leeds. Didn't and, Norwich come third or something? And now yeah, they should have won the league the first year. To be honest, they were very unlucky. They were very progressive. Side. Sheffield Wednesday as well. Sheffield were up Wednesday there. were up there. They've made two. Even finals. someone like Aston Villa now are yeah. down in the championship. Yeah, not not Forest were there. They got relegated the first year of the Premier League. I think. But then that that just using this parallel that kind of raises the question of obviously you know we don't say Man United have thirteen Premier League titles we say they have yeah. twenty league titles we say Liverpool have eighteen league titles yes and Arsenal thirteen or whatever yeah but then the question is you know what happens with you know Real Madrid have thirteen Champions League titles European yeah. Cup titles Does it, like this is a history that a lot of clubs are very proud of yeah. and you would be you know if you have yeah. the most amount of titles in any competition yeah. be you'd be screaming it from the top of your lungs. Yeah. But then what happens if they do create this Super League and all of a sudden it's okay, you've won. is it a reset button yeah. or do they just go, okay, well, Real Madrid have won 13 Champions League titles. They've won the Super League. They've got 14 championships. Well, you, you, all you have to do is look to America and see the... Because like, the next parallel I was going to bring up was America, where all of the sports have adopted this model for a long time. Even the MLS has it. And they have expansion teams to make the league bigger and stuff like that. And there is scope, apparently, in these documents to say that there is scope for a secondary league that would have promotion relegation into the this top league. So you could have promotion relegation between the top and bottom leagues. That, that is, frankly, the only scenario in which I would actually be really on board for this. Well, is have, if, if they created, basically, you know, we have if they leagues. abolished pretty much all, not, not all the leagues, but all the big leagues and tried to form it into one giant... Yeah. tree or yeah. pyramid or like instead of an FL 92 it's a European 92 no, as it were European like probably a lot less than that yeah a European, you know the same principle 40. 
you know, have a period of three or four leagues in yeah. which, you know, we have a League Two, we have a League One, yeah. and, you know, stick Celtic in League One or something, yeah. and then they can invite their way up. Because then that keeps the same kind of format week to yeah. week. It would be, like, obviously it would leave, the, like, Ireland would be left out of this. Yeah. It would, Most countries will. Most yeah. teams will. There isn't a big team in every country, not anymore. But, and, you know, we didn't mention earlier that there were, the plans apparently include playoffs. So it's not as if you would, you know, if you're not in the top three teams you're dead rubber the rest of the season. You would have a playoff system similar to what they have in your in US sport where you have wildcard teams where you don't only if you win your division you go through to the playoffs and you get a better seeding and everyone subsequent below gets a worse seeding and then you play each other in knockout matches and eventually you have a final and a championship winner. But if we go back, okay, we'll talk about the historic like what happens to the trophies, everything like that. Use NFL as comparison. Was it nineteen sixty eight? Sixty seven was the first Super Bowl? Oh, I Help couldn't tell you here. what year. I couldn't tell you what year. So basically, the, that was the first NFL Super Bowl, National Football League Super Bowl, where you had two divisions playing each other in a final. I think uh, it was Green Bay Packers won three in a row. That's Vince Lombardi. That's why the trophy is now named the Vince Lombardi. Please correct me, listeners, because I'm not an expert on this at all. But that was it. That was the formation of the modern NFL, National Football League. That was challenged. That became a thing because the American Football League and the NFL merged together it was basically the champions of each league would play each other in the final and that was the first championship NFL American like world championship in, in American football and eventually the NFL absorbed the AFL and they became one league and then there was leagues afterwards well that folded the North American Football League or whatever it was called at the time in, in the 80s Donald Trump's league and they kind of just these became you know there isn't an NFL team in every country, in every state in America there isn't an NFL an NFL team in every city in America more, like the the fam- most famous one is Los Angeles, one of the biggest cities in the world, has only recently gotten another. This is the the third try they've had an NFL team. The, I think the Rams are in LA now. Yeah, that that's the third. Right. You know, they used to have the LA Raiders back in the early nineties, who are now I think in Oakland, in a different part of California altogether. Like they they have a history of moving teams around, which I not I don't think is going to happen in New York quite yet. I don't think we're at that position at the moment that Roma will suddenly move to you know, Bucharest. <laughs> I don't think instead of Stoya Bucharest it's Roma Bucharest yeah it would be a weird one but you know I'm not saying that's on the cards but this has happened before and you have kind of a regional you have regional teams that people support you know if they're not in like for instance anyone everyone in New England New England like really New England Patriots are a Boston team please correct me again people from New England who want to criticize but that's six states so people if you're in Vermont you support a Boston team so if you're in, it's similar, like, if you're in, if you're in, uh, this would be a terrible thing to say, but if you're in, say, Naples, you support Roma, because they're the closest team to you. And it's kind of a regional thing. You still have Naples in your own league, in whatever Serie A is, becomes at that point, and it's kind of the minor leagues. And you have this in America, where you have local football teams, that's why college football is so popular, high school football is so popular. And regional, you know, kind of smaller teams like uh, stadium football is popular. Baseball is the other thing, the similar thing. There's te- there's not teams, like New York has a load of teams, but then there's no teams, and Boston obviously has, has the Red Sox. Then there's no teams for ages. And then you have Ohio and you have teams like that and further south as well. And huge, huge areas of America, huge sways of America doesn't have a team support, so they support whoever they want. Yeah, but I just don't think that will work in a, in a sport where there are so many teams. Like even say like, but if, there's that many teams in minor league baseball. 
Like, no, but there's a difference though because like these clubs have been there. They are founded there. They like these are old clubs. Like when Napoli were founded at the start of the nineteenth twentieth century, yeah. late nineteenth century. Like they've been there for a long time. So all of a sudden, Napoli are considered a minor league team. Yeah. I just don't think that would that would, that would go well. No. That would go down well at all. No, but I, I'm my my reason for playing devil's advocate. And this is possibly this like it is probably fueled by greed, fueled by the you know desire for more money, for more revenue, for more commercial income. But at the same time, just the the other leaks that came with this uh, football league story from their Spiegel, they kind of put you in a reason it's like well if you were one of these big clubs and you wanted to run your sport correctly and you you did firmly believe in the the rule of law and the rule of non-corruption this like maybe you you think that maybe if we banded together and we we agreed to ideas and we signed this stuff into contracts we could all do what was best for our clubs and what was best for the game in general by not taking part in UEFA anymore by not letting UEFA who want to UEFA and FIFA and all the football federations who want to sell off the soul of football to the highest bidder, which you know we we had a FIFA Congress last week where Gianni Infantino tried to pro- promote and a World Nations League where every couple of years all the big teams would play each other in a knockout tournament that wasn't the the World Cup. They play a league structure kind of game, or and another one for the FIFA World Cup when they'd expanded into a proper big tournament like the Champions League for the you know in exchange for twenty five billion dollars from but- unknown sources. You know, if you're in that and you're like, well, I don't want to destroy the, the integrity of football so Johnny Infantino and his cronies can become rich. But it by leaving those, it does it destroys the structure of football. And really, the clubs want to get rid of UEFA because they want to become UEFA. And I don't FIFA. think they want to become UEFA. I think they might think they could do a better job in UEFA, which I, I don't necessarily disagree with. But I'm not sure if this is the right way to go about it. But there's the absolutely time, no reason to trust those clubs that they no, will be free from corruption at all. So you can't you can't give them the benefit of the doubt. There isn't. All. There isn't at all. You're right. But I, there, you're caught in a, in a between a rock and a hard place because it's the de- you're you're siding with, and I'm not necessarily siding with this. I don't think it's a, Euro, a, a European Super League is so intriguing to me. But at the same time, you know, I have the same concerns as everyone else that this will destroy football. But at the you know, I can't, I can't not see the not the silver line to it but I cannot I can't not see the argument to having European Super League and you know and these clubs doing what they're doing because you know whether we want to or not they aren't public for the most part they're not public bodies they're they're not under the remit of national of government thinking like there's not much like in many of these countries like if Real Madrid decide to leave La Liga and Barcelona do as well like the government really probably isn't going to be able to stop them. Similarly, in if you know if they can get the right people on side in France, the same thing. In Italy, the same thing. Like maybe England might be a slight bit different because the clubs are very ingrained in the communities. That maybe you couldn't. They couldn't yeah, do it. Uh, the Telegraph, I think it was, uh, did put up a story today saying the government would try and challenge the five teams leaving. Yeah, but they could like at the same time government intervention and things sport and stuff like that if a, if for instance to go along with fifa's own directives if a government is known to interfere with the with football that team the the team representing that country is then banned from international competition for x amount of years it's happened before in african countries and stuff like that so by virtue of them doing it suddenly england and english teams are all banned from continental competitions and the world cup so it's like yeah you can see them maybe doing it but at the same time 
they'd be contravening their own rules and then what integrity do FIFA have if they don't enforce their own rules none which is what the, where they are at the moment they have no integrity but the thing is like it's hard not to bring up the Champions League in this case because yeah. like really the question the, you have to beg the question like what's wrong with the Champions League as a competition like we've like over the last few years we've all enjoyed the Champions League we've all watched the Champions League the clubs have enjoyed the Champions League they all the, all the players clearly like Real Madrid players <laughs> yeah the, the rest the rest of them I'm not so sure but the thing is like we all enjoy the Champions League and you know the last couple of years the knockout rounds have been hugely entertaining yeah. but the thing is when it came down to it when not only have Real Madrid won it the last few years so it's gotten a little annoying you know we're seeing the same team win it yeah. over and over again which you know devalues yeah. the entertainment like the Schumacher in it. Yeah, exactly. Or Lewis Hamilton, I don't know. Um, for the younger listeners. Yeah, for the younger listeners. Yeah, the younger listeners. <laughs> for those who somehow can't remember Michael Schumacher, who was there like 10 50. years ago. Yeah, if you can't remember Michael Schumacher, jeez, that's You're depressing. just old, Declan. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really that old, though. Yeah, but that's, um, that's life. But, like, obviously that's been devalued, that in, uh, competition in that way, but it's still an overall enjoyable product. But then you get down to the fact that Real Madrid, you know, they keep playing Bayern Munich. It gets a little annoying, or Barcelona keep playing Juventus. Yeah, but then like they, we're already getting bored of these teams playing yeah, each other in the latter but then stages. They build up the derbies and you know derbies. But we're all like, just think about it. So like popular. when the draw came out for the Champions League semi final last year, everyone was annoyed that Bayern Munich drew Real Madrid. Like there was no one going sitting here, sitting there, or was it the quarterfinal? Whatever draw it was, where they drew each other. Yeah, semi. Yeah, semi. We were all like, really? Like they couldn't have like. But then we would never have got that terrible mistake and Kareem Benzema scoring that, 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 that was enjoyable in the moment. But if they draw each other again in the last 16 even, because it's possible, or if, you know, one finishes first and one finishes second in the group, or, you know, even if it's a quarterfinal, they both get yeah. there. We're all going to be like, third year in a row, they're playing again. And then that, then that means that, you know, if they're playing in a league system where yeah. they're guaranteed to play each other yeah. every year, Twice at least. Yeah, at least twice. Tuesday, if not, Saturday, if the not three or four week. times yeah. based on yeah. playoff systems, how they even yeah. decide to do that. Yeah. We're all going to be sitting there going, oh, they're playing again. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not... Like, there, there's definitely flaws in the system. And like, <laughs> Don't you, get me wrong. You mentioned the whole derby thing. Like, there's... Yeah. like. It is like there are some rivalries, like Inter Milan Sunderland is one <laughs> is a fun one. But like Barcelona Chelsea over the last few years have had a good rivalry yeah, going like against Real each Madrid, other. The Real Madrid Bayern Munich is historically yeah, bogey teams for each other. Exactly. So like while those work from time to time, they're rare and they like I feel like with the Super League we'd be manufacturing them. Yeah, almost. but that's this whole thing is manufacturing glory. That's what the Champions League pride. Like what like. if Liverpool never played Everton ever again? Yeah. Like, that's a depressing thought for everyone, really. Yeah, but that's the evolution of football, unfortunately. Or Arsenal never played Tottenham. Yeah. Or, you know, what other... Or Barcelona like, never not, played I'm Espanol. Not saying it, 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 I'm not saying it's for the better, it's for the best of the sport, but it, I'm, I'm saying that it could happen. I don't think it will happen. I think more so Gabriel Marcotti was correct in probably his, his assumption that this was a nuclear option and it was in the back, it's in the back pocket of the clubs if... UEFA were ever to do something crazy which isn't outside the remit of possibility and I think they could do it eventually they've been they've been you know if things don't go their way they are going to do it it's what happened with the Premier League back then it happened it's happened in the NFL it's happened in the NBA it's happened in Major League Baseball it's happened in almost every other major sport in the world they look over at the US and they see how well structured they are how they safeguard their their sport against you know defection how they safeguard their sport against you know 
losing interest how they manage to keep the keep things ticking over even though the same teams are playing each other over and over and over again they somehow manage to keep the rivalry going and they keep the interest in the sport going like Red Sox won again the World Series recently in baseball and people were still celebrating it like it's a major deal even though the Red Sox won what four World Series in the last 10 years after not winning them for 80 something years you know it, they they still manage to drum up that kind of drama into the sport like if you ever want to see drama watch the the NFL documentaries they make before a Super Bowl which like make it with classical music playing and they make out the most the what seemed to the the untrained eye the most boring things in the world that last two seconds which is someone throwing the ball once and a guy catching it two yards further up the field and they were like this was the greatest play in world history and you know this it meant so much to everyone involved and they flashback to your man as a child you know saving his father from a burning wreck and thinking he'd never walk again and then suddenly catching in a throw in, in the Super Bowl final that's those those stories will be crafted for this new competition like I, I don't think it's any way perfect but it it could well happen and there's very little if the stars align in a certain way there's very little that could anyone could do to stop it I'm so happy believe me I'm so happy happy new year Champions League returns this week yay <laughs> did it go bring us back to uh, actual football <laughs> Uh, there are a few kind of big matches this week that could really decide how groups yeah, go. It's a business end of the group stage at this point. A lot of the, the groups will be decided this week because it is match day four of six. Yeah, so, teams will start qualifying yeah, this week. Most teams will start. Most of the top, the leading teams will qualify this week. Uh, but the the big one I think is on Tuesday is uh, PSG go to Naples and uh, it was a two all draw last time. I thought Napoli was a better side in the first match, but yeah. PSG kind of just got. You see, they they held on. No, this is the PS. The thing with PSG is you you can beat them around the field, and Liverpool showed this when they beat them at Anfield. You can destroy them as Liverpool did. You batter them. You you rope a dope, as he says. Muhammad Ali used to say about George Foreman. You know, you, you beat the guy. You know, you let him think he's winning. You tire him out, and then you rope him and you you knock him over. You know, you, it's how you tame a horse. That's what kind of it's not it's not intentional. I don't think I don't think it's what Thomas Thomas Tuchel at PSG wants to do. But it's what happens when you have players as good as Neymar can be, as good as Di Maria can have the potential to be, as good as Mbappe is, that you can be battered all night. You just need one opportunity to hit a sucker punch. Yeah, just and all yeah. of a sudden you can get two goals yeah, out of nowhere. Exactly. Like the Mbappe did it against Liverpool. They almost got a draw out of the match. They did it against Napoli and they did get a draw out of the match. You know, this, this match is in Paris, isn't it? No, they played in Paris the oh, first time. Oh, it was time. in Paris the first time. So, yeah, so it's in the Stadio Olimpico, isn't it? Sound, yeah, I can't remember the name, but it's, it's, it is it's an Olympic stadium. An Olympic it's it's stadium. got a running track around it. It's got it. a running track in Naples. So, Na- Napoli are at home. I would fancy... I thought this was at Paris. That was my mistake. And I was going to say PSG because they did so well away from home. No, no. Nap- Napoli were the ones that did quite... Like they- PSG are keep winning uncontrollably at home. Like Mbappe's on fire. Uh, Neymar started to hit assists every time now. Playing through the centre. He seems to be playing a mo- much more withdrawn role. Like, basically playing Firmino's role now at the moment at PSG, which poor Firmino at Brazilian level. Uh, and he's just feeding Neymar. Or he's just feeding Mbappe goals now all the time and feeding anyone else in the team goals. The French league is a complete joke. Yeah, they've won their first 12 games of the season, which is a record for a top five league. To yeah, they're becoming like Bayern at their worst in yeah. 
it's a question of how many matches, or it's a question of who's actually going to be able to make them draw yeah. in league. We'll be interested to see just when, how early can you win the league. Yeah, that, that is the... T- I, think, I think they won in March was the earliest they've won it so far. I think Zlatan won it one Yeah, I vaguely remember that. But so, it's all in vain, though, if they get knocked out of the Champions League in the yeah, group stages. Yeah, could get sacked. He might get another chance the way that Emery got a second chance after getting knocked out against Barcelona, Barcelona in the first season. The sixth one. Yeah, even though he won, he, he didn't win the league that year. So maybe there is a bit of patience in the Qatari group. In Turns out. Yeah, perhaps. And he could get through. But I'd fancy Napoli. I think Napoli deserve it more. I think they played the better football. They've been more attractive. They've been more aggressive. They've been more like a team. They've been more cohesive. Carlo Ancelotti knows how to win in the Champions League. Hard to root against Carlo. They beat Liverpool, who were the best team in the group, it seems just because they demolished yeah and they were the better side in that match as well yeah uh, so I think Napoli to win and put PSG in the Europa League that'll be really interesting as well. like it's like obviously you know while we do this we do try to remain unbiased and try to you know look at look at it evenly yeah. for both sides but it would just be nice to see PSG get knocked out on the group stage yeah well they've come to they're, they're quickly becoming a hated team in European football which is a very difficult task to do like I, like you've a, never won a champ like Chelsea did it under Jose Mourinho, yeah, because people used to like Chelsea back in the you know the Gianluca Vialli days when he was manager uh, in the Champions League. They used to put on great shows. They had that that fantastic tie against Barcelona, I think, in two thousand. And like, oh, they were a nice little novelty that would come into Europe every now and again and win the Cup Winners' Cup usually. Uh, but then you know Mourinho came and he brought in that dour you know the the what was the name of the Jorge Valdano at. Uh, yeah, at Real Madrid, the former, the great Argentinian World Cup winner, you know, hating Mourinho and everything he brought. He had some point. choice words he for Mourinho. He did. So yeah, PSG, like even when they played against Real Madrid last year, like generally speaking, no one really wants to see Real Madrid win the Champions League again. Yeah, not oh, when they're winning the year after. Especially year after. unless, of course, you are obviously a Real Madrid fan. Yeah. But like, I kind of rooted for Real Madrid against PSG yeah, last year. Yeah, probably everyone did as well, especially after like it was just so bad. Like it was not a performance from Paris in that match they had a chance to show the world stage what they were yeah they were they dreadful didn't. ever since I just after that 6-1 was just so pathetic oh, that, that I'm was like... such a great moment in football just for like <laughs> it this was, can't but... happen they actually have to win they have to get 6 goals but it was just so pathetic that I'm like you keep... as a club forever it is a stain that they never yeah. deserve to win the Champions League because perhaps of... it could happen um, but then the other match that I think is kind of interesting in the Champions League is uh, Tottenham against PSV Tottenham look unlikely to qualify now. Yeah, because they drew last time out in... It was a two-all draw on that one as well. Yeah. Uh, Hugo Lloris got sent off, didn't yeah. he? And like a draw really suited neither side. Like Both teams needed to get a win out of it. Yeah. And the Spurs are not playing quite in Europe at all, so there's no guarantee that when they visit Wembley on a cold Tuesday night in London... And a dreadful pitch. Yeah, it's still destroyed after the NFL match that was there a couple of weeks ago. It's like it's not going to suit them. It, the, the place can be half empty... There's going to be no crowd behind them at all. No, even the ones have that no do atmosphere. Like PSV will be up for it. They'll see an opportunity. Because Inter haven't qualified either yet. PSV will want to be in the Europa League yeah, at fair. worst. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like they're, for Tottenham to get through, they need to obviously be PSV on Tuesday night. Yeah. But they also need Barcelona to 
keep up their form. Like Barcelona could get a draw and be happy with that because that'll see them through. Yeah, Messi probably won't return. He's back in training. He probably won't be risked. He, he's been brought to yeah. the San Siro. I think that's just I'd, I'd be scary surprised. If, yeah. <laughs> I think that's just like. Hey, look what we have on the yeah, bench. Yeah. Put him on the bench and then say you won't play him. Yeah, because it's very easy. It should be like, oh, you got a broken arm, do you? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't risk him. Yeah, oh, I think it's it'd be ludicrous. Risk. Yeah, exactly. And it's a good opportunity again to the Barcelona kind of play without Messi and see how it goes. Yeah, because they've done all right without him. They've, they've gotten results, the yeah, <laughs> despite not playing too well. Um, but they need they need Barcelona to win. Like a draw is no good, even if they beat yeah. PSV. Yeah. Because then, like with a draw, it'll be a point gained the on Barcelona that for Inter that Tottenham probably won't get. Yeah, because they still have to go to New Camp. Yeah, and they still they will need to beat Inter no matter what. Yeah. So it's very hard to see Tottenham go through from this position. It's not impossible. But also, it's really not likely. <laughs> Nicely put. Yeah, uh, and then on Wednesday night, uh, Juventus against Manchester United. I think this, you know, Mourinho got his result in the first leg by not getting destroyed by yeah. Juventus. Or despite, the first leg, the first time. Despite the fact that Italian teams uh, historically don't really care about He's humiliating on a, clubs. On a wrecked pitch, playing against, uh, you know... A Juventus side who weren't at full cylinder, who there was the Ronaldo allegations were fresh, fresh in everyone's mind, um, and they were just woeful. Didn't create much. Played long balls. They were the they were very happy to just take one nil as the Italian teams do. Yeah, saying and that you know Manchester United this week, they they came back late late goal. Yeah, they've they shown came. a bit of resilience. Ter- what was the commentator said about Manchester United? It was very unusual. Uh, at halftime, they said they were quote frankly awful. Yeah, which is... <laughs> not something you. Were, associate with a Champions League or, or a commentator I thought no. it was just funny that yeah, a commentator very, flat very, out would have just like this team is terrible yeah just frank, very blunt like very very lucky to only to be a draw as it was at half time and they ended up just winning in a, a complete fluke of a goal in the 91st yeah minute. it was a good ball and then Marcus Rashford just kind of was patient but is that league winning form playing badly and winning games? yeah that's what's always said this is what they do cha- sign of champions they grind out victory yeah, so uh, no, I Re- think to win the Premier League and Champions Luke, League Lukaku was dropped from the squad I know you said he's injured but... yeah Christoph Terror of the, who's you know very well contacted with Belgian players has said that he's injured, but, yeah, but a lot of information still yet to come out on that. Yeah, it's when Mourinho doesn't what keeps things quiet. It's a bad sign. He do, he he is the kind of player that I felt needed a rest in the same way that Harry Kane or frankly well, any of the Tottenham players that yeah. were at the World Cup needed a rest. He wasn't playing like that's the thing, and now my he's he's shifted to playing Martial as with well actually Alexis Sanchez started up front against Bournemouth. Yeah, did not work at all. He got the Martial, assist, but didn't particularly play too well. Still one of his better games for Man United, yeah. but didn't play particularly well. Like Martial was kind of out of the game for a lot of it. Didn't get many touches. Took his goal well. Did do that, because the player completely lost him. Yeah. So And he is scoring goals, which I suppose is encouraging. But like, Man United profited on mistakes of a tired team. Juventus are not going to be tired, and they're not going to make mistakes. But the, the thing is, in the same way that Barcelona don't need to win against Inter Milan, Juventus don't need to win. I think Maximo Allegri is going to win. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're going to make There is that element to it that you know they could make a statement and just destroy Man United. Yeah. But it, because the way they played in the first leg, I don't think they'll be too inclined to like do that Valencia in the second. Win, Go on. If Valencia win, Man United are in trouble. They're going to the Europa League. Well, that, if, Man United, if Man United lose and... Valencia win then Valencia will go a point above Manchester United but Valencia will then need to play uh, 
play Juventus while Man United go play at home to young boys. Yeah. So they, you would imagine who flattered you know United flattered to deceive against young boys. They were very fortunate about that. Young boys will be out of it though by then. You'd imagine that that. I know, is but that's their points. biggest like their biggest matches to go. Also, Valencia like, have just been terrible this season. Anytime they're, they're I, every, been terrible. They've been very no, good. They just can't score. Every time I've seen Valencia, it's like why do they just keep trying? So it wouldn't shock me if they drew with young boys. They play such good football, like such quick, fast, crisp football all through the pitch. They have a good goalie, they have good defensive, good midfield. They just cannot score. They've drawn seven La Liga matches. I know already. they just seven. can't score. They just can't score. It's incredible. But even when they do manage to score, they also manage to concede a goal. Yeah, I know it's a kind of it's a psychological thing at this he, point. But they beat young boys. Man if United, they beat young boys, they beat, no, I'm not, I'm I'm not they, certain that if they, they will. beat young boys, Man United are in trouble, and they could be joining PSG in the Europa League. <laughs> that would be that would be quite interesting. Well, they, but I'm not yeah. certain that uh, Valencia will be able to beat young but boys. But I think that would be the final straw for. By the way, if you know we've been talking for a while, Mourinho somehow clung on to power. Uh, you know, every time we think he's going to hit an absolute train wreck of, of he a manages to just find a few results. You know, people were very down on him against Newcastle they thought he was going to be sacked after that if that match, match finished 2-0 he could easily have been gone yeah, by now yeah and then they did the same against Chelsea did the same against Bournemouth it's just played awful went behind and somehow got back into the match and then in, in Newcastle and against uh, Bournemouth they won the match against completely against like the balance of play probably uh, but then they only have Manchester City away from exactly. home right after Juventus so it so could if Juventus be a tricky humiliate them you see the thing with Mourinho I think he could get one humiliation out of these two. And but I, okay. I just don't think I just don't see Juventus wanting to humiliate anyone. I think they could do it by default because they're. But they, if they were going to do it by default, though, they would have done it at Old Trafford. No, because the pitch was awful. The conditions were against Juventus. There's a lot of things going on in the background with the Ronaldo story, as as we've spoken briefly about before, that were affecting that match. And plus, Man United were. It was back since the wall performance. Like, whatever we do, we don't get humiliated in this match. No, but the thing I don't is, think they'll have that control in Turing. But in, remember that second half, Juve were just content to be like, all right, we're just going to yep. sit, stand here for, for forty-five minutes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As long as I they get, get a one-nil, I think like it's such an Italian team be, thing to do. They'll be at home. They'll have a full-strength team. They are playing in front of their own fans who will want to show to to because very seldom do Juventus get a chance. Like they've, they've had hard groups in recent years. They've, they were in against Barcelona one year. They were in against they've had, they, Real Madrid. They were in with Man City a Man couple City. times. Like in the last five, six years, they've had different opponents in the group stages and then the knockout stages. And then in the knockout stages, there's always a backs against the wall, tough victory over the big teams. And then in the group stage, they, they tend to lose or draw these big matches against big other European giants. And I think they could be going as the fans we can do this for the fans and we can really put a, a big European giant to the sword in the ways that we weren't against Barcelona, against Real Madrid, against Bayern, against Man City, against every other t- big team they've played in the last five years. I can see where you're coming from but I just don't see but, I just don't see it being any worse than 2-0. But on the silver lining for Manchester United fans out there, I think that, I don't think they'll get humiliated on Sunday. Against Man City. I think Mourinho will not allow that to happen. But the thing is as well with Pep Guardiola is obviously him and Mourinho do have a very fierce rivalry but the, Pep Guardiola just traditionally I've noticed has given other teams that they could other big teams a lot of respect. Yeah. Like I remember when it was when he was at Bayern Munich and they drew Manchester United in the quarterfinals of the Champions League like going into it it was like oh this could be 5 or 6 nil because Man United were yeah. as low as they've ever been yeah. in well, Europe especially. 
until until maybe season, yeah, yeah seasons later and then but at that. the point it was like oh this is Man United at a low point here yeah. they almost got knocked out by Olympiacos they're yeah. seventh in the league yeah. they were dreadful but Pep Guardiola gave that Manchester United gave David Moyes way too much yep. respect and frankly Man United nearly pulled off the yep. a bizarre upset it's a weird thing with Pep alright that he especially with United is concerned like how many times they lost us lost last season at home, at home weren't yeah they? at home it, like, when they could have won the league they could have won the league that day and of course there was a few refereeing decisions that were a bit iffy in that match as well which I'm sure they can point to but they did lose that match and they were in a 2-0 winning position yeah they so, were like, they kind of just throw that away they did throw that away at the time but I'm obviously like other ones Mourinho specialised in getting nil all draws yeah us. the year before at the Etihad it was a nil all draw that yeah. was frankly one of the and worst matches I've ever that's watched that's what I think Mourinho is going to play for this he's going to put everyone behind the ball I wouldn't be surprised if Rashford and Martial start that match if Lukaku is still not fit and they're just going to lump long balls over the top for them to run to try and stretch and keep Man City's full backs pinned back and then kind of constrain Man City to have only you know, long range shots and then a freak super goal which I wouldn't put past Man City getting I would. I think a draw would be the best, and a goalless draw would be Man United's best result in that match. And I think that's what Mourinho's going to play for. Yeah, well, it wouldn't shock me though that Man City do just turn it on and they win three 0 I don't know. I don't if, think if they're going to be. If, I am it, the Man City pro- prophesizer. You know, I'm the oracle for Man City, <laughs> who just completely, you know, three to five goals, three to six goals. You know, well, they, they won by three to five goals. Yeah, they won by three to five goals, and I keep getting it right whenever I say it. So I, I think this is. Like you said, Pep's going to give him a lot of respect. Pep's not going to humiliate Jose Mourinho. He's not Jose Mourinho. He's not someone who gouges someone's eyes out. And I think Mourinho will have targeted... I don't think he'll care about this Juventus match. It's sunk as far as he's concerned. He's going to be focused on young boys in Valencia in the last two Champions League matches to qualify. He doesn't care how this goes. I wouldn't be surprised if he like puts out McTominay playing or something like that. I'm like, oh yeah, how can I possibly play against... You know, uh, Bernadeschi. Bernadeschi. Bernadeschi, when I only have, you know, Scott McTominay. He, and, you know, even though they're very similar in <laughs> makeup, he'll he'll use that as an excuse. And then he'll use that to distract from the build-up for the Man City match. He'll say something outlandish, I've no doubt. They'll completely distract from everything and talk about how much Man City has spent. Probably speak about these Football League things. I, I fully expect all this from Mourinho in the next few days. Yeah, the Football League thing sounds very likely. Yeah, he'll say something about, you know, he'll use a metaphor about a car, about a woman or something like that. Do you think he'll actually print out the article and, like, have it ready to show? I'm surprised if he sh- does, doesn't show it, but has it on the desk. Yeah, he's, so like, he reading from reference it. Reference it for notes. He can speak German, can't he? I don't know. I, he no, can, I don't he, think he Doesn't can. he have, like, five languages yeah, or well, something? Yeah, I don't think German's one Okay, yeah. Um, but, yeah, he he's... I'm sure he's going to have a whole plan for the week for psychological mind games and Pep will probably lose, go off on something like he did on Gary Neville last week about being told that his players were intentionally fouling, which probably they are, whether they're told to or not. Did you see the bit from like it's in the documentary All or Nothing that like the, Pep doesn't specifically say it, but Pep's in the room while one of the coaches is like, and don't forget to foul. Like if we lose the ball and they're on the transition, foul. Yeah. So it's like it's literally in a documentary. Yeah, but it's not like it's something all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just fouling. a weird thing from Pep to it's give out not, about. It's not like he's being telling them to break someone's legs. Yeah. He's just telling them like pull someone back. Especially because like Gary Neville was like, I meant it as a compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just a, a weird moment for Pep. Yeah, it's just a throw. It's probably he took it up the wrong way or whatever. Yeah. Way he, he saw it. Maybe it was really translation or something. Well, I'm not saying translation, but I'd say he just read it or someone told him about it and he reacted. And we're only hearing about the reaction part. Of yeah, it's, it, it, we lose context in a lot of exactly. these quotes. Um, but I think Pep 
while not being affected by it, I think he will not. I don't see Man City doing what they've been doing in recent years. I think this is a weekend for them for cons- uh, consolidation. They're fortunate in that their rivals have been dropping points in recent weeks. Liverpool do play Fulham next week, which you would imagine at home as well. You, yeah. That's almost guaranteed three points. Yeah, but you see, as long as they're in a good position, which they're... They have, they have a the, two-point lead. Yeah, and I think they can afford... They can afford being level or even behind at Christmas. Because even if... I think Pep would love to be behind at Christmas. I think he'd love to be two or three points behind come Christmas for them to, oh, you know, Liverpool are top of the league or Chelsea are top of the league. And, you know, all the pressure's on them. The pressure's taken off his team. And then they steamroller everybody. I think Pep would also like to just be eight points clear at Christmas. There is that, but we'll see whether the... See, the other teams don't look like set to start losing to the smaller teams. And the majority of the, you know, the rivals, Chelsea, Liverpool and Arsenal, obviously, to a lesser extent, they don't have a huge amount of games against mad teams the next two months. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's so, just hard to see Man City not winning the league at the moment. But I think, oh yeah, I think Man City. But I think the if league, they, are, I think if, everyone is going to be at Christmas. Everyone's it's not going to be as tight as it is now. But I can definitely see the top four being separated by about seven nine points. But the thing is, though, like if Man City do not, if they fail to beat Manchester United, it'll actually just be a stain. Yeah, on their but so was last season. So, so was last season when they lost. But it'll be to the extent that actually maybe someone else can take them on. Yeah, like they re- at home they need to actually. Well, that's beat what they United. want you to think. They want to give you hope. No, so they but, can crush that hope. No, but I just think they actually have to beat this to put down America. Like obviously, no, I I look forward to side. it because I think I think it would be I think it would be a a lovely piece of football if Man City can produce the form they've been producing again. So like if you watch the Southampton match at the weekend, they just took. Southampton apart from minute one Southampton I remember I was saying it to you three minutes J- James Ward-Prowse mishits a ball clearance mishits it again trying to clear the ball again and then is all over the place running stretching almost jumping at the ball to try and keep it at the edge of his own box ball goes out to Sene Sene tries to cross it for Sterling and uh, Southampton defender knocks him for an own goal I saw that was such a ridiculous own goal as well. but like you couldn't they were like at 6 and 7 and there was 3 minutes but that's gone. just they were 3 nil down within another 12 minutes but it's hard to really say how yeah, good Man City are it's hard to you can't read into that match at all because Southampton are so but bad but Southampton played you saw it like you remember, there's a clip going around of uh, Man City trying to shoot for 60 seconds where they're in Southampton's box. So you have a breakaway attack. It kind of it, it peters out, but they're still in Southampton's box. Yeah, it's almost more embarrassing that Man City don't score because of how badly well, Southampton, Southampton defend. Well, they, were, they weren't badly defending at that point. They were just throwing themselves from the ball and blocking every avenue for a shot. It was the same as if you put 11 men on the line covering every inch of the goal line where it's like, okay, take a shot. And Man City were trying to find an opening where they could even see the goal. And they weren't <laughs> able to and eventually it went out oh, for a corner. Oh, so funny. But that's... That was a team playing fully defensive football against them. I don't think my United are silly enough to be doing that because they have a bit more attack and creativity. They have Paul they can... Pogba in the side, like yeah, yeah but... someone who can use the football. I don't, I don't think they're going to. He's going to be using the football much on Sunday. I think it's the, the best my United can hope for is breakaways, counter attacks, balls over the top for the young Rashford and Martial to run onto. But uh, we've joked previously about you know, oh, is this the match where Mourinho goes? I don't see Mourinho going after this week. No. But I'd say what I said earlier is if he doesn't get out of the group, this group in Champions League, that could be the, the straw. And obviously, you know, they could actually magically win these two matches and all this discussion has been for naught. I, I, but I it find seems that unlikely, very yeah. unlikely. That, in that the same way that Tottenham getting out of the group is unlikely, yeah. it's unlikely that yeah. Man United win one of them, yeah. let alone two as, of these as, matches. As Monty Burns once said when he was looking at his baseball team before an important championship match for softball, he was like, nine misfortunes? I don't think so. 
<laughs> and I don't think like Mourinho and like Man City are going to get two misfortunes, which would be Man United win back to back games against them. And uh, that will do us for the show today. Uh, thank you for being here, Andrew. Thank you for having me. And we'll be back again next week. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then don't forget you can tell family and friends about the show. Spread the word of the Total Football Takeover. You can also follow us on social media at the TF Pod on Twitter and Total Football Pod on Instagram. You can also be found on podcast services, including Spotify, by searching Total Football Podcast. The more the merrier. That's what we always say. <laughs>